podcast where we are talking about the complexity and the challenges of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. This week I'm uh, back and I'm with a new guest. His name is Sam. Like a f- couple of weeks ago, we had a Sam, but uh, this Sam is different. He has a different last name. Sam, what's up, man? Hi there. Uh, my name is Sam Sefcik, and uh, I got to know Andre through his small group. Through that process, I kind of grew to admire his podcast and his seriousness about following Jesus in our culture and what that means um, in our radically changing postmodern world. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool how you just you joined our group. It's been kind of cool how you, you sort of became part of our spiritual family in our group, even though you don't go to our church full time. You kind of come and go. Right. But, but you're still like one of us. You're like one of our, you know, you go to our group. Yeah, so I'm cool. like the only non-Russian, yeah. <laughs> Slavic, non-Slavic guy there, um, Although, which is kind of funny. You're, you're like the second uh, or third American person to attend the group. So huh. American people tend to, I guess, I guess they float in and, and out. And then they leave. I yeah, don't. yeah, they can't. So, so far you've held on to us longer than the others. So, you know, you've endured the Russian people. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's an accomplishment in and of itself, I guess. Right. Although I wouldn't say we're all that Russian. I mean, there's elements of us that are Russian, but yeah. we all speak English. I don't know. Have you ever even Russian. heard us speak English or Russian? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you, Every sometimes. once in a while, it pops in. So, yeah, Sam's been coming to my group, you guys, and we've been friends. I think we hit it off. Uh, really early, just talking about like theology and culture and how do we follow Jesus. And I think that's one of the things that I was kind of excited to ask him to join us for just thinking out loud about what it means to be a Christian today, because we, me and you kind of um, connected on that subject. I think we both have this passion to understand the world around us and to understand what does it mean to faithfully follow Christ today, you know? Yeah, the essence of the question being, what is a Christian worldview? In other words, how do we interpret everything from science to philosophy, politics, um, our, our career paths, through the light of the gospel and God's plan for the world? Yeah, and that's exactly what we've been doing here. So that's awesome. This week, as we're diving into the new year, we're kind of late into January, but I think January is a time when everybody's thinking ahead, planning, reflecting, you know, thinking about their life rhythms, spiritual rhythms. And I think one of the subjects that we talked about at our church uh, in November is the topic of change, uh, spiritual change specifically. I think lots of times as Christians, we get into this routine and we we do the Christian thing. We do the weekly church thing. We do the daily Bible thing even. But our lives are not marked by change, you know? And I think one of the repeated emphases in the New Testament is that the authors are calling people to change, uh, to transformative living, to become more and more like Jesus. You don't, you, you come to Jesus just as you are, but being in his community and following him and living in light of the reality of the gospel makes you a different person, right? So I think sometimes, well, I think probably oftentimes, I, I feel like Christians don't have this urge to, to, to seek change and they don't see radical change in their life. So uh, what we wanted to do today is to take a few minutes and to share three habits of spiritual change. And what these habits are is basically our distillation of um, New Testament teaching on the work of sanctification in our heart. How does God work and what happens? How does he make us like Christ? 
And so these three habits are not like your easy little, you know, uh, follow directions, one, two, three, and you're a sanctified, holy creature. Uh, but they're more spiritual rhythms of life that you have to cultivate. And once they become part of your daily life, they, they constantly drive you into truth in a new way. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was actually just thinking the other day about how our, our interpretation or our understanding of the gospel grows as we age. Uh, as you start out as a child, it's like, um, you know, you're told, oh, Jesus is my savior. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And that's kind of your view of the gospel as a child. And then you grow up and life gets more complicated and with that, ideally, as a, as a believer in Christ, your understanding of the gospel should also grow more robust mm-hmm. to encompass um, God's plan for your communion with him and the way that you will do his work and glorify him on earth. It's, mm-hmm. it's more than just, when I die, I go to heaven. Right. In fact, that's, it's an important part of the gospel, but it's not... Um, the main message it's a it's a plan that encompasses everybody on earth right here and now here and now not just in heaven but how we are to live and behave and interact with our fellow man and it's so easy to get into rhythms of life where we're just doing our thing and we don't seek change so i want to maybe first of all to to challenge you guys to stir up your expectations of yourself to cause you to ask yourself am i changing uh, ask some people around you this week, maybe people who you trust spiritually, their perspective, their wisdom, and ask them, you know, am I changing? And also consider these three things and kind of try to look at the New Testament, read your Bible, and keep these three things in mind as you do. So first one, the first habit of um, spiritual change is to learn to renew your faith in the gospel every day. So what this means is that We have to reassess our view of Christ and of the gospel every single day in a new light. And I think what this does is it it helps you to see that faith is not this, um, faith is not a once for all thing. Faith is not like, oh, I believe that Jesus is going to come someday and take me to heaven. That's it. Check mark. Done. Faith is a daily way of life. You are putting your faith in something every single day and coming to God and, and renewing your faith in him as a conscious effort, as a conscious activity that you do every day is essential. And you see that throughout the whole Bible. If you look at the whole rhythms of faith and life for the, is, for the Old Testament Israel, um, you see that God is trying to build into their way of life a conscious renewal of faith. You know, even the little, I, I mentioned this example lots of times um, that manna had to come every day new. Like God said, don't save any from yesterday you have to just depend on me because new faith is required the next day if you are saving manna from yesterday you're depending on the manna you got yesterday and then therefore you don't need faith today in me and so like every day we have to realize that new temptations face us we have to realize that our old sinful habits are creeping in at us We have to realize that we are in a world that is challenging us in new ways. And we are always being pulled away from faith in the gospel and building identity in the gospel uh, and and tugged into building identity in something else. So gospel renewal every day is just basically learning to live a life where you're always asking yourself the question, what is the gospel? What is the message of creation, fall, redemption, restoration? 
and then asking mm-hmm. yourself, you know, what is, where am I in light of this story? Do I really believe this stuff? What does this mean for me? Uh, what, what does faith look like to me as I'm driving today to work, sitting in traffic? Uh, what does it mean for me to be a follower of Jesus? You know, like... Right. Um, yeah, I, I was reading something interesting. It was by, well, actually, Jordan Peterson, who's a psychologist, but he's not, he's not a Christian author, but uh, he had an interesting observation. He said, there is no such thing as an atheist. There are only men who know which God they serve and those who do not. Right. And everybody puts their faith in something. And that can change on a daily basis. Even an atheist has an incredible amount of faith that there is no God. He has to come up with arguments um, that in his mind disprove God. And he does that with as much religious fervor as anybody else would for their religion, mm-hmm. often with more. Yeah, and the thing is, I think, as you re- learn to live a lifestyle where you're always renewing your faith in the gospel, asking yourself, what is the gospel? What is the story of the world? Who am I in light of this story? What that's doing is it's locking you into a pattern of life where you're constantly forced to respond in faith to your challenges and to whatever your circumstances are. It's locking you into a rhythm where you're forced to come back to the Bible story, to the, the message of Jesus, and to a prayerful response of who you are. And that pushes you into becoming somebody new every day. So that's the first. Renew your, gospel, renew your faith in the gospel every day. The second one is confront your heart idols every day. So one of the main ways that the Bible talks about sin, one of the biggest analogies, is idolatry. Um, idols function as the core motivators behind all that we do, all the individual sins, all the different things that we do, we do because we believe and long for and desire things other than God. So, you know, notice that. We don't sin randomly. We don't, we don't have just negative responses for no reason. It's always connected and rooted to our beliefs and desires. What you do always has a core reason to it. And so heart idolatry is just basically you desiring a good thing mm. as an ultimate thing, you know? So anything can be an idol. In a sinful world where your heart desires to make an idol out of anything and replace that idol with God. Right. So yeah. you can love your job, you can love your career, you can love, you know, finances, money, family, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's been said that you never, you may not, say what you believe, but you will live what you believe. Right. And ultimately, your beliefs are formed from the habits that you practice every day and the things where you place your affection. And those will bubble up to the top of your life and be visible for everybody else to see. Mm-hmm. So if your obsession is money or buying you know, the nicest car or whatever it may be, materialism, that is where you place your affection, even mm-hmm. if it's in secret. And ultimately, that will come up where everyone else can see it. Yeah, I, I love the quote from a guy named David Foster Wallace, who unfortunately was not a Christian. He was agnostic. He was a writer, and in, in his famous address to one of the colleges he got invited to speak at, he said, you know, this phrase, he said, everybody worships. Uh, the only choice is what you worship. The question is not, do you worship? Everybody worships. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say, the only benefit to choosing a religious god or system rather than a god of this world of materialistic means like a, you know your career or your money or your books or your family or 
whatever it is, your, your intellect. He says the only reason to choose a, a religious God is because any other God that you try to worship will destroy you in the end. So wow. as you pursue that career, you will realize, A, you can't get fulfillment from it. Or B, if you do accomplish your goals and all your dreams come true and you realize it's an empty shell and you need another idol you know, right. so it'll crash back down on you. And this is this is an atheist talking, so mm. it's like pretty amazing. Yeah, I think to to understand this simple idea that all sin works in this form, idolatry. All of your sins, all your daily struggles, they are not random. They have an intricate system of roots underneath inside your heart. And so, what we're challenging you with this second. Um, habit is to learn the habit of assessing your heart and asking yourself where did this come from why did I do that you know and not just saying oh you know I really have a, a hard time with anger and I need to just try really hard right. to I just be need nice. to not be angry yeah I just need to not it's be not angry that easy and yeah. be nice no see what you do and, and here's kind of a case study maybe example you know you, you look at your anger and you ask yourself what provokes it? What are the situations? Mm. Why am I angry? You know, and you realize maybe, oh, I was angry when uh, things at work were not going well. And then I came home and I was angry at my whole family. And then you trace that back like a thread. You trace it back to your heart and say, okay, that's interesting. So I got angry specifically on the days when things at work weren't going well. And I came home and I became angry at my family. And you re realize maybe that you have this idol at work to perform and, and when your idol isn't working, when, when you are not performing well and you're not successful at work, you start to take it out on people that can't mm -hmm. uh, get back at you. you know? So then you realize, oh, this activity of anger, this action is connected to this deeper root idol of, of work, of work right. and career. Of success, <clears throat> or at least worldly success, and you're kneeling at the wrong altar. Right. And, and so you're never going to have real fulfillment. change. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. If you don't see that, you're never going to have real change hmm. because you've never traced the sin back to its source. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how? what's a practical way to identify those things in your life? Yeah, I think that's a perfect question. At group, we were talking about this and people going all deep and thinking, oh my gosh, like how do I identify my idols? Like that's so deep and so difficult. And that's actually not the point. Actually, it's very easy. You start and ask yourself right now, what are the three or four main sins that, I, that you struggle with this week? And then just ask yourself, okay, why do I struggle with that? What, what are the core reasons? What are the deeper, where, where is this sin coming from? Where is this anger? Where is this lust? Where is this impatience, this irritation, insecurity, uh, fear, depression, whatever it is? Where is it coming from? And you kind of start to trace it back to its roots and start to just develop a deeper awareness of the sinful patterns of your heart. And um, the essential thing to realize is that when you identify idols, it's not, that's only half the battle. The, the next step, as scripture always shows us, is to put on Christ. And what that means is specifically in that realm of your idol, you mm. have to realize that your idol is acting as a specific savior replacement. So if we use the old example of work, my idol is my work and I need to be successful in my career to feel good about myself. Well, you are 
you are you're drawing your juice of of identity and satisfaction and confidence from your performance at work but then you have you, when you confront that idol you have you have to say okay but when i look at the gospel how how do i get my confidence and my and my success well i look at jesus and i say wow i could never be successful i could never be perfect and confident but jesus has made me new and he has accepted me and even if i don't do so well at work or i'm struggling i know that i'm accepted in christ and i have confidence and and peace in Christ. Right. So it's not a matter of saying, well, it doesn't matter if I don't do well at work, because your performance obviously does matter. Right. But it's a question of what you're putting your identity in. Is your identity in work or is it in Christ? If it's in work, you'll be miserable and that will make you angry because you can't measure up. Right. You're always trying to please your idol. Exactly. It's never enough. But, but if you're identifying it and replacing it with Christ, again, we see change. You're learning this specific aspect of Christ identity and you're discovering a new way in which Christ is precious to you, you yes know? so every time you confront like and you're tempted be like oh man like I want to be successful at work because that's what makes me feel good but then you, you, you bounce back and say but wait what makes me successful what makes me powerful what makes me strong I am, I'm still weak and I fail but Jesus has made me his child but Jesus has welcomed me into his kingdom but Jesus has paid for me and therefore, I can stand on my two feet and be confident, you know? So it's that you, you, you learn, once you've identified the idol, you learn these pathways of faith that bring you to Christ and make you a different person. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time pursuing things that we think make us happy. When happiness is kind of an illusion, really. Right. Happiness is whatever we are getting a, a dopamine rush from at the time. And we should really be pursuing purpose through Christ, um, that brings lasting happiness, not your instantaneous thing that you're doing at work or at home or the way that you are enjoying yourself when you come home at night. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and the thing is, unless you are exposing your idols, you are probably unconsciously protecting them. Right. So your 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 heart is wired to protect its saviors and to hang on to them. And if you're not exposing the deeper roots of your sins you're protecting them and you're getting harder and harder into those sins. Mm -hmm. And what's also really helpful for me in this whole question of idolatry and just thinking about it is it makes you realize that your circumstances do not cause your sins. You know, so again, back to the angry dad who came home from work, right, and took it out of his family. Like, he might say, man, everybody, my whole family is just so annoying, they're driving me nuts. So that our tendency is to think that my surroundings have caused my sin. Like she said, she right. made me so angry or whatever, you know? He made me mad. But the reality is, it, your surroundings are only poking you and your idols are speaking out from your heart. So. Yeah, think your surroundings are just a trigger to your underlying yep. emotions and anything can act as a trigger. Ultimately, yep. it's our responsibility to know how to deal with those in a spiritually mature way uh, that, that doesn't compromise our relationships with other people or with Christ. Right. Perfect. Yeah. So like the question you're asking yourself with this is, you know, what is the false idea? What is the false promise that I'm believing and holding on to that's leading to these behaviors? Um, and it's really practical. I mean, for me personally, this has been like really helpful. Uh, third habit of change that I want to share with you guys 
is um, step onto your battlefields of faith every day. So living out the faith in our everyday life always has two parts. There's the part that draws us near to God, and there's the part that inevitably moves us out into the world, into all aspects of life, to go into God's world as a result of our faith. So you know what I'm saying? If Jesus is real, therefore you will live differently here and here and here and here and here and here. You know, um, once you bow the knee to Christ, once you admit and submit your whole life to Jesus, it inevitably changes your view of everything. Everything. I mean, if Jesus owns the world, he owns the world, right? So right. It's, it's, an, it's an all or nothing fact. And he, lives, he owns every part of our life. Yeah. Yeah. He, because he made you and he gives you breath every, every day. So it all belongs to him. So faith has this intensely invasive element. Like it, it, it pulls kind of the veil back and, 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 and in a way it unfolds every piece of our life in a new light. You know, you're looking at, at the, you know, we're sitting here at Sam's house and I was looking at the fields. And I'm just like, you look at the fields and it's like, this means something. You right. Know, either this is uh, evolutionary progress, mindless and purposeless, or this is a painting yeah. of the Savior. Right. Why do we see this as beautiful and something else as not beautiful? And it's reflective of, of something greater. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the, the, the funny consideration to think about this, like most of your life is lived out outside of your prayer closet, so to speak. Like the 99.99% of your life it's right, unless not you're lived a monk. in front of your body. Yeah, exactly. In which case, you should maybe reevaluate how you're living life. Yeah, if you're a monk, go back and listen to other podcasts <laughs> to show that Catholicism is wrong and then leave the monastery and then come to our church and we can talk to you. <laughs> I don't, so do, I do monasteries still exist? I don't oh, know. I think they do, yeah. Faith changes your view on everything and the majority of your life, the majority of your faith is lived out, not in front of a Bible. So think about it. You're either living your faith most of the time or most of the time you're living in unbelief. So the way you relate to work, the way you relate to family, the way you relate to friends, the way you relate to your backyard, to your garden, to your garage, to your stuff. Is the battlefield of faith. That's all. It either belongs to Jesus or it doesn't. And the way that you reflect that is in your primary allegiance. So if you really think about this, how it changes, I mean, your, absolute, your approach to absolutely everything. And it makes you reevaluate how you live your daily life. And it teaches you to put on the glasses of faith, I think, kind of, you know, like to everyday situations. You're either in obedience to Christ and to his calling and to his story, or you're not. I mean, that's it, yeah. you know? So you're either faithful as a student at school, as a neighbor, as a church member, as a father or husband or wife or mother or dad or, or son or daughter. Like in everything you do, basically if you look at your life, you're, no matter where you step, you are stepping on some sort of battlefield of faith, some sort of way that the kingdom of God is supposed to be working in you and through you. Right. And either you are walking in faith or in unbelief. And so, like, this third challenge is to step onto your battlefields of faith daily. So, like, learn to consciously do that. Learn to consciously see everything as a battlefield of faith. And then ask yourself, okay, wow, so if um, I am being faithful to Jesus as a neighbor, what does that mean, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
Luther, Martin Luther talks about the idea of vocation, right? That's one of the kind of core doctrines of Protestant Christianity. Yep. And that's that we're not called, if you're a business owner, being a Christian business owner doesn't mean that you try to convert every person who comes through your doors. It means that you run your business in a way that's according to what Christ would want. Right. Right? In a way that witnesses to people without even necessarily mentioning the gospel. It's how you treat your employees. It's how quickly you pay the people you've borrowed money from. Um, how you treat your customers, obviously, and the quality of the goods that you make. And that is how you can honor God. Right. Through and your resources and through your life. And those are all the little ways that you feed back as a witness of Jesus. You know, exactly. like, why do I do anything? Because I'm, I belong to Christ and I represent him in everything that I do. And I think what this does, if you're doing this every day, you're going to become a person who's going to want to be discipled. You're going to be a person who's like, wow, dang, I need some wiser people uh, speaking into my life in these areas of life. You know, right. the problem we have in the church of people who just want to go to church and do their thing and not, they don't want to grow. They don't want to be instructed. They don't have questions. You know, that's always like, this is one of the biggest things. If you, if you don't live your life and you, if you're not always working through spiritual questions, like, hmm, like as a Christian, what does it mean for me? How do I, how do I represent Christ in this area or this area? If you're not asking those questions, you're not growing spiritually. And if you're not asking those questions, you're probably walking in these areas of life in unbelief. You're just assuming that these things belong to you and you use this aspect of your life however you want. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you're not going to seek, you're not going to build relationships in your life with more mature Christians. You're not going to ask them questions. You're not going to be forming spiritual friendships. You know, if you lack spiritual friendships in your life, it's probably because you're not interested in growing as a spiritual individual. You know, so this question really like locks you into Christian community, uh, truth, the Bible, good good quality Christian books. Like this question awakens your mind to be taught. You know, the 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 basic dis, uh, description or translation of the word disciple in the New Testament is literally it's the Greek word for learner. Hmm. You're a learner. You're a follower. You're following and imitating someone. We're all following Jesus, and we're trying to imitate him. And Jesus has given us the church as the community of saints through whom he gives himself to us. You know? Right. So we follow each other. We learn, we learn yeah, and imitate. Yeah, and then we're called to disciple other people yeah. in turn. Yeah. So uh, three habits of spiritual change that have been immensely helpful for me, I think, just talking about this helps me see how these are not just little easy steps these are more spiritual uh, guide posts sort of like road markers that help you make sure that you're still on track and planted in the gospel and what they do is they drive me personally on a daily basis deeper into the gospel you know like I'm always confronting new questions new temptations and challenges in my life that I'm constantly either I'm responding in deeper idolatry and sin or I'm trying to step onto the battlefield of faith and ask questions and learn from somebody learn from the Bible pray right. seek God's guidance and asking questions is is critical we can't undermine that actually I 
I was listening to another podcast. It was uh, Ben Shapiro, if any of you know who that is, yeah. interviewing uh, another guy named Dennis Prager, who they're actually both Jewish. And Dennis Prager used to have a radio show, and he was talking about one instance in which a Muslim woman actually called in and asked him, why are you a Jew and not a Muslim? Huh. And... That's so good. He said that's that's an incredible question, and I'm so happy that you feel comfortable asking me that. He said, Islam means to submit to God. He said, Israel fundamentally means to wrestle with God. Hmm. And I would rather serve a God who allows me to wrestle with him than one that forces me to submit. Hmm. And... I think that's really critical that we ask questions in our faith because that's the only way that we grow. Right. And that's where the discipleship especially comes in because we can learn from those who have already had these thoughts, who have wrestled with them, um, and we can ask them of God. And when we ask for wisdom, we know that he provides it. Right. And the beauty about, you know, I think the gospel and is it's not that you don't need to submit to Jesus, it, but it's that the kind of submitting that Jesus calls us to, it's an open, honest, wrestling, challenging, loving kind of submitting. It is not an authoritarian, one right. size fits all. You know, if Which, you look at his relationship with the disciples, yeah, you know, he's talking about I'm gonna go die next week for your sins, and they're arguing in the back seat about who, which one of them is greater. You know, right. like it was a mess. It was a process. It was a wrestling process, but. It was Jacob who wrestled with God. Yeah. Yeah. God could have crushed him in an instant. Yeah. But he allowed him to wrestle all night. Right. Um, because he knew that that's what needed to happen. And that's part of a relationship. Exactly. Yeah. The God of the gospel is the God of relationship. He wants to walk through us every day, walk with us through every day, help us grow and know him. And that means that you have to lock yourself into habits that invite him daily into your life so thank you guys so much for listening again uh, like I said last time we're gonna be down to two episodes a month we're trying to focus on just quality and improving you know our pace and our process and the topics that we choose uh, so keep an eye out we're gonna be coming out with episodes every two weeks um, if you've benefited from anything you've heard from us please let us know Check out well-said.org or on Instagram at the under slash well under slash said or on Facebook page, Well Said Words. We're so excited that you guys joined us again this week and thank you, Sam, for being part of this this week too. Absolutely. Thank you, Andre. I think that we're going to be doing this more often. I hope so. I think this works well. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll uh, talk to you guys in a couple weeks.